Shabbos Avayin Ches. Different items have different shiurim for taking out, being over on Eitzah and Shabbos, taking from one Rishos to another Rishos. So if there's a common use for one item, but are not so common use for the same item. For instance, milk and wine have the common use of drinking. The not so common use is adding it to medicine. So we go with the common use, even though that means it's a kula. You'd have to take out a lot more in order to be over the Isra of Eitzah. What if one item has two common uses, but one is a larger share and one is a smaller share? We go with the smaller share, Luchumra, for instance, honey. You could use it for eating, you could use it for medicine. We'll go with the smaller share of medicine, you're over right away if you do the smaller share. So the question is, why is it water, which is a common use is to drink, not so common use is to add it to medicine, why do we go with the not so common use? Says Abayah, because we're talking about in Gullah, they're very poor, they use water for medicine, so it's common for them to use the medicine. Rav says it goes anywhere. We're not just talking about Gullah. And since most people don't use wine and milk for medicine, since it leaves some sort of film on the eye, they all use water. Therefore, it's common. But you see from here a very important concept. Obviously, many more people drink water than adding water to medicine. Yet, since in medicine it's common, it's considered two common things, and we go with the more chamur. Blood is also revius. Rabbi Shemilaza says, if you're using blood to heal an eye protrusion called a birkis, they would use a wild chicken. Also, in Hebrew, it's known as a duchifat. In English, a hoopy, or something like that. You use it one, enough blood for one eye. If a person has a cataract, he'll use enough blood from a mole for one eye. Moles are found inside the house. Cataracts are inside the house. Birkis is a protrusion in the eye. The duchifat is outside. That's how you remember which blood goes to what. If a Rebbe tells a Talmud, I want you to make me some room, takes some of these items out, and he takes a common item that people keep and are interested in, and he takes it into Rosh Rabbim, of course he's chayev. What if he takes an item that nobody cares about but his Rebbe? He's chayev. According to Rashi, because this goes according to Rosh Hashim who holds that once one person makes an item important, it becomes important to the whole world. Tyson says it could go according to everybody. But once a Rebbe makes it important, then his Talmud automatically thinks it's important as well. Chacham agreed to Rosh Hashim when it comes to wastewater, the shear is a revius. What can you do with wastewater? You use it to knead clay. Now we do find that the shear for kneading clay is a lot less. The size of the opening of a hole where you put the bellows in, into an oven. That's if you already have ready-made clay. Then the shear is much smaller. But no one is going to go through the tircha and the burden to start making clay from scratch unless it's a much larger shear of a revius. And we find that concept later on on tomorrow's daf as well. Says the mission, when it comes to rope, the shear is enough rope that you can make a handle for a basket. When it comes to gemi reed, it's enough to make a loop on a sifter to hang up. Now nobody uses rope on a sifter because that could scratch the sifter. According to Rabbi Yehuda, enough reed to take a measurement of the kid's foot so you could go to the shoemaker to make him a shoe. Paper, enough for a receipt that you paid your taxes. Once you show the tax collector that you paid your taxes, the receipt has no value. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it does have a value. Why? A number of shatim. According to Rava, we're dealing with the main tax guy and a smaller tax guy. The main tax guy gives you a code, so you can use that code, you don't really need a receipt. According to Abaya, the tax guy, the main guy, has runners. And if the runners catch you, you want to produce a receipt. According to Rebuda, according to Tanakama, you don't really need to produce a receipt. You just go back to the main tax guy, he'll recognize you. And Ravashi says, 
people want to keep tax receipts according to Rabbi Yehuda, so you could show them to other tax collectors and they'll see that you're a trustworthy person who pays taxes. Once you erase a paper, it has no purpose. You can't write on it again. So what could you do with it? You could cover a small flask. So the shear is the size of a small flask. When it comes to leather, if it's semi-tanned, you could write a kamea on it, so it's the size of a kamea. Klaf, which we write tefillin and tzifritayers on, enough to write the smallest parasha tefillin, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekin Hashem Echad. Ink, enough to write two large letters. Chol, which is makeup for the eye, enough to do one eye. Glue, enough to catch birds. Sulfur and um, tar is enough to make a hole in a jar so the sulfur could come out, and then you plug it up with that sulfur and tar. Wax, enough to plug up a hole, a small hole. Crushed brick, enough to put on the opening of the oven that makes gold. And Rita says, in order to make the feet, the tripod on the court, which is also called in Aramaic, pitput. Sid, lime, which girls use to remove hair, enough to put on one small joint of a girl. Rita says, enough to put on the hair to make the hair lay flat. And according to Rebbe Nechemia, enough to remove the hair in this area. The hutzim, which are lulav um, leaves that you make, let's say, koshalach, is the, enough to make a handle for a basket. Suvim, or sieve, are the strings that go around the palm tree. People would put them in a funnel, and that would catch the sediments of the wine. Oil, and grease, enough to put on the back of bread when you put it on the oven so it doesn't stick to the side of the oven. The size of a cellar, which is a gregaris. Cotton, enough to fill a ball, which is the size of a walnut. If you take out a shtar chayv, a shtar that says, I owe somebody, somebody owes me money, it has value. But once it's already paid off, according to Rabbi Huda, you're still chayv, according to Tanakam, you're similar to the machlaks we had before. Rabbi Huda says, you're allowed to keep a shtar chayv. There's no iser. So it has value for you. According to the Tanakhama, you're not allowed to keep a shtar chayv around. It could bring problems later on. So it has zero value. According to Abayo, everybody admits if the shtar was paid off, you're not allowed to keep it in your possession. The machlaikis is, what happens in a case where the loiva admits that he wrote a shtar? Does he have to be mekayim that shtar? Does he have to make a new document stating that the original shtar is a good shtar? According to Rabbi Yehuda, since he does not have to produce such a document, so the original star has value. And that's why if you take out the original star, you are chayah. Rabbi says everybody admits you have to be mekayimit. The machlaikah says, what happens if the leva doesn't want to pay? And meanwhile, the malva produces the star. And he takes it out into Rishas Rabbim. Since that star has value now, because he could use it to collect, and without it he cannot, Therefore, he's chayiv. Ravashi says we're talking about the loiva, not the malva. We're talking about a special document that the loiva has in his possession that says he paid off already. And he uses that document to show other lenders that he's a trustworthy borrower, that he pays off his debt. And therefore, it has shavius, it has chashivos, and your chayiv, if you take that out into Sarabim, have a wonderful day.